Um, hello. Hello. Friends. I'm Kirsten. I am Joshua. And this is the weird and suspicious. That's weird. That's suspicious. I look like a child with my bangs like this. I accidentally cut them too short and I look like fucking <laughs> Shirley Temple. <laughs> And I can't not see just baby. Like a child. Like yeah. Little, like the little kid that would always be uh, be mean, I think. <laughs> yeah. what you look like, too. And, like, and like I, lo- I don't look necessarily look like a kid. I just look like an old person <laughs> trying to look like a kid. <laughs> Cosplaying as a uh, kid. Yeah. I don't know. I was like, I showed up to work and everyone's like, oh my god, your hair is so cute. And I was like, I literally somehow accidentally gave myself micro bangs. I don't know if that's cute on me. My face is too round for it. <laughs> and then like the curls on top of it, it just, I was like, this is not a great look on me. Just not a great time. Yeah. And then obviously Kyla is not here. She is... um Having a hard time with her tonsils being taken out, which honestly I kind of expected anyways, because like surgery on your throat. Yeah, talking is usually not the first thing you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did you see the picture I posted from when I went to Irish on Ionia? I look like I am tall. I look like I'm tall. Oh, no. I thought you were going to talk about your crazy outfit. I saw the crazy outfit. My outfit wasn't crazy. I saw the crazy outfit. How is it a crazy outfit? It was like four different colors in no, it's like not. different sections of the body. Like the top was two colors split down the middle and the pants were two colors split down the middle. I think you were, were really messed up when you seen it because that is not what my what I wore. Hmm. I'll have to review if you can send me an updated picture. Um, if you have one, I, that's the way that I believe. Oh, it was all the same color. <laughs> yeah. It I'm was like, still half and half, but yeah. I swear to God, I swear to God, I thought it was different. Like that they were two separate pieces and that it was. My arms, I had a, okay. So I, and the, when the picture I took of my jacket off, I have on, um, a long black long sleeve underneath it because it was cold out and I can't just wear like. A tank top out and call it a day. Mm. It was a blizzard outside. So maybe that was it. Maybe the black sleeves threw you off. You know, maybe. Possibly. Because I was like, it wasn't that wild. But also, don't I look like, if you looked at me, you'd be like, she could be five five. <laughs> Tall. She could be five five. <laughs> Yeah, no, like you look like a normal height with all of these other people. Yeah, and my legs look long as fuck. They do, they do. Like freakishly long. Is it, were they like really puffed out in the front? I was wearing heels, so these pants were in general just long on me. Okay, okay. And I did have one leg in front of the other, which I think gives the illusion that my legs are longer too. I don't know. I was like, dang. We got a good picture. After we all took that picture, we were like, all right, we're out of here. Like, we got a good picture. Let's go. Because <laughs> it was ridiculously cold. And, like, no one was planning on getting it so drunk that they would be warm, which for that, because it was, like, 25 degrees out, flurries on and off, slash blizzards. Um, blizzard is a bit dramatic of a word, but when you're standing out there, that's what it was like. I forgot my gloves. Um, I also didn't have a hat or earmuffs because I'm like the only one that didn't. I'm like the most underdressed. So we got drinks, took the picture, and then we tried to go to a bar. And since it was so cold, no one wanted to be down there. They were all at the bars. And like to sit at the bar, they had a two hour wait. Disgusting. Yeah. And I was like, well, guys, I'm good to just go. We got a cute picture. People see my outfit. I'm good it's to all go. that matters. If it was a bit warm, I would have been like, I would have wanted to stay, but like, I forgot my gloves. I was literally freezing to death. And what you can't see in that picture is I should have posted like a two of them. I had a four leaf clover glued to my cheek. Nice. I was like, gotta be festive. Gotta be festive. Gotta have the luck. 
Yeah, which, I mean, I didn't because, like, no one bought me a drink, which was pretty rude. Um, On God, even I get drinks bought for me when I go out. I don't, unless I'm, like, specifically going on a date where it's, like, set their pay. Yeah. This isn't really anything. This is real stuff, but it's just seven legendary cryptids that turned out to be real. Interesting. And did you know that cryptid zoology is like a real, like a real profession? Is it? According to this, yeah. So, like, is it a real profession to the same extent that like ghost hunting is a real profession? Because, like, it is a real profession, and you really can, like... I think it's taken a bit more seriously because of, like... I think when you think of, like, Bigfoot people, it kind of gets silly. But when we're looking at this kind of stuff, it like, it seems like a, a slightly more respected. Um, one, because, like, some of the stuff has proven to be real. You know what I mean? So, like, they are backed by okay. proving stuff, which ghost hunters like they are and they aren't depending on who you ask where like like okay like a platypus like no one's like they're not real no one's arguing that fact so the cryptozoology (laughs) is just like these are animal like uh tracks or markings or like signs that there's a weird ass animal out there you go investigate what it is and some people are like ah yes bigfoot but like they actually go out and research and try to find like yeah, let me cause. look up the definition of cryptozoologist. It says the search and study for animals whose existence or survival is disputed or unsubstantiated, such as the Loch Ness monster on the Yeti. Yeah. Yeah. So. so it's like they think it's real, but they're looking for the proof. Yeah. Cryptozoology is the search and study for animals that the mainstream science considers to be mythical or non-existent. Wish we went over that. Animals studied by cryptid zoologists are called cryptids. Famous examples of these creatures are Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, wow, Monster, and the Yeti. Unsurprisingly, then, there is quite a lot of derision aimed at cryptids in scientific circles. Cryptids are the stuff full of low-level tabloid magazines and conspiracy theories. Right? Wrong. Many animals that experts once believed to be cryptids are actually flesh-and-blood living things. Number one, the platypus, which I believe, like, can you, before we knew what platypuses are, could you imagine someone coming up to you and explaining one to you? You would be like, that's fake as fuck. You're lying. It's not real. Yeah. It says the platypus is a weird animal that breaks a lot of rules. At the time of its first discovery by Europeans, it seemed to be contradicted by everything they thought they knew about mammals. The platypus is a furry Australian mammal that lives in rivers. It has the feet of an otter and the tail of a beaver. So far, not that strange. Then one look at its head and it appears to have a bill of a duck unlike any other mammal. Even stranger is the fact that it lays eggs. Only five living mammal species do so oh i didn't know that five other species do so can you look that up and tell me yeah the platypus and four kinds of echidna oh echidna echidna they're little like hedgehogs the only reason the only reason i know that is because it was in a show (laughs) it was like somebody's name little hedgehogs they lay eggs apparently weird up until now, the discovery of the platypus, it was common knowledge that one of the things which defied mammals was that it gave birth to live offspring. On the top of this, a platypus is venomous. Venomous mammals were basically unheard of. I didn't know that either. Look at us. We're all learning things. The male platypus produces a venom from the glands that attach to its ankle spurs. Ooh. It's believed that these are used defensively against other males, especially during mating season. So does it even come from its mouth? It comes from its feet. It's uprising then that European naturals from the 18th to 19th century believed that the platypus was a hoax. When the first platypus corpse arrived in Europe from Australia, the experts weren't sure what to make of them. Many thought 
It was work of the Chinese sailors who had previously tricked them into the corpse of of supposed mermaid. It was believed that the platypus corpse was well put together, animal jolly. Why are they doing this to me with all these words? <laughs> Amal Jamal Shun. Amag, um, <laughs> can you spell it for me while we suffer? A M A L G A M A T I O N S. Amalgamation. What is that? A combination. It's like amalgamation. <laughs> amalgamation okay i promise i'm not that stupid <laughs> it's a weird word but it'd be like that sometimes we all know that i needed help rooting in school all right i took nearly a century for zoologists to admit that they were wrong and they definitely confirmed the existence of the platypus the giant squid another poster child for famous cryptids that turned to be real terrifying is the terrifying giant squid reporters of the giant squid go back to 2000 years to the time of aristotle pliny the elder a roman naturalist did a pretty good job at describing the giant squid in his natural history he got pretty much everything right except for the size showing the giant squid was too massive even for the superstitious ancient writers to get right pliny only estimated the squid at about 30 feet nine centimeters which in reality is over 40 feet 12 meters did i say nine centimeters yeah <laughs> the, the you know early run-ins with the giant squid were likely the inspiration of several mythological sea monster monsters like the norse mythology the kraken and the skyla of greek mythology Ooh, i don't think we've learned about that one the giant squid remained encrypted for so long because its existence was seemingly fantastical and very hard to verify. The seed is almost unfathomable in its size and depth. Looking for anything in the ocean, even something as huge as a giant squid, is like looking for a needle in a haystack. This is exacerbated by the fact that the giant squid is a deep sea cult creature and humans haven't spent much time down there isn't there like a certain amount like percentage of the ocean that we haven't even explored and they estimate that there's like the ocean probably quite a few like sea monsters that we don't know about yeah like anything there's like a whole uh like giant school of fish down uh like real deep like, it's just, like, a wall, basically, of just fish. And they don't know if there's, like, stuff below that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. It's wild, and then we're out here, like, let's go to fucking space. We don't even know what's in the ocean. What you're looking for in space could be in the ocean. We just don't know. Just kidding. Looking in space is actually so much easier. Yeah, which is wild. Um, the only chance early zoologists had to study and verify the giant squid was through the c- carcasses that would very occasionally wash to shore. The problem was that hungry sea creatures had often begun eating the corpse before they washed ashore, meaning the completely or the complete samples were rare. Added to this was the fact that the carcasses tended to rot extremely quickly, leaving little to work with. Which is wild. Doesn't it take bone a really long time to rot? I guess maybe squids don't have bones. I think, like, a lot of fish... Well, like, there's fish bones, I guess. But I feel like a lot of it's cartilage. Yeah, I was gonna say. And also, I guess, the way it breaks down in the air is probably different than ours because they're water creatures and we're not. Yeah, who knows? I'm not a, I'm not a, zoo- I'm not a cryptozoologist. Yeah, me either. The first recorded discovery of a mostly intact giant squid carcass was in the 1870s. However, it was, wasn't was until the last decade or so that we managed to take photos of a live stream specimen, cementing the giant squid status as a former cryptid. Yeah, when was wasn't that like recently, recently? Uh, I honestly don't know. I feel like I remember that being in the news like, oh my God, it's real. Look at this. I honestly could not tell you. It sounds familiar. Like, I definitely remember seeing something along those lines. But whether it was a year ago, a month ago, or 12 years ago, I really could not tell you. All I can think of is that, like, no. 2006. Yeah, I remember that Damn. being, like, a huge thing where the, everyone was like, oh, my God. Look at this. 
And then we have the sea serpent cryptids. Stories of the dreadful sea serpent that dwell in the ocean date back thousands of years. Even the Bible makes references to a giant beast called the Leviathan. I knew how to say that. I'm so proud. <laughs> okay. The Leviathan that roam the brinley deep looking for prey. Much like the case of the giant squid, for a long time, scientists believed that the sea monster was too huge to be real. Zoologists or cryptologists, however, believed that many sightings of these historical sea monsters are cases of real animals being misidentified. And then being given a fantastical, superstitious twist. One incredible rare species, perhaps they like culprit the orifish is a long bony fish with an elongated body that has been found to grow at least 56 feet 17 meters long and they were found in the oceans all over the world but usually in the deep ocean they have sometimes washed ashore during storms occasionally come to the surface when near death they look nasty it seems likely that the giant fish are responsible for the least for at least some of these early descriptors depictions of sea serpents <laughs> the first ore fish wasn't found until 2001 showing just how rare and hard to verify these fish were i feel like all of these oh no okay this one's not a water one and then this one is the ultimate cryptid the unicorn um, now, obviously, unicorns, as traditionally portrayed, don't exist. The unicorn is still very much encrypted, except it isn't. Although no one has discovered a horned horse yet, we can go back 2,000 years to find animals that likely inspired talk of unicorns. Plenty an elder <clears throat> described the unicorn 2,000 years ago. He described it as having the feet of an elephant and the tail of a boar. While the rest of the body is like that of a horse, it makes or it makes a deep low noise and has a single black horn which projects from the middle of its forehead, two cubits in length, whatever that means. This animal is said to it cannot be taken alive, or that sounds suspiciously like an Indian rhinosaurus. Rhinoceros. No, rhinosaurus. What's the correct way? Rhinoceros? Rhinoplasty? Rhinosaurus, is it? Rhinoceros? I guess it depends on who's saying it, because it seems like they could both be right. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so stupid. I can't believe it. (sighs) Like an Indian rhinoceros. Now it just sounds like a fake word. Um. Mm -hmm. There is another real-life unicorn inspiration. The second little stranger, however, seeing that lives in the sea, the narwhal, is a type of a toothed whale that lives in the freezing waters of Greenland, Canada, and Russia. Is defying feature is a large protruding canine tooth, oh, known as a tusk. The tusk is startlingly similar to the image of a unicorn horn. Hmm. I honestly didn't think narwhals were real for for a minute, so. Did you get your first uh, introduction to them from Elf? That is very possible. That's probably why I didn't believe they were real. Yeah, yeah. I 100% same page. I saw it in that movie, and I'm like, ah, interesting fake thing. Yeah, because, like, a lot of stuff in that movie was very questionable whether mm. or not it was real, like Santa Claus, so. Santa Claus is real. <laughs> um, why Why are you questioning it? And then we have the Komodo dragon. Before 1910, any scientist claiming to believe in a giant lizard that looked like a dragon would have been laughed at. At the time, it was widely believed that the giant lizards were a thing of the past, Nothing on the scale of the Komodo dragon could exist. When pearl fishermen returned from the lesser Sunda Island in Indonesia. I'm so sorry if I'm fucking these up. I think you all know by now I'm stupid. At least when it comes to reading. Telling tall tales of a giant land crocodiles. No one took them seriously. After all, fishermen are famous for exaggerations. And then in 1910, an expedition from Bitenzorg Zoological Museum visited Komodo Island and produced the first scientific report of the creatures. 
Lieutenant Jacks, Carol Henry, mm-hmm. visited the island and took home both the Komodo dragon skin and a photograph. The Komodo dragon remained mostly a mystery until 1926 when a second expedition went into the search of the dragon. Its leader was W. Douglas Burden, came back with 12 preserved Komodo dragon bodies as well as two live ones. The only Komodo dragon truly left in the realm of the cryptids and entered the world as an established science. Hmm. And then we have the humble gorilla. Sometimes an animal, the humble dragon, or dragon, no, humble gorilla. Sometimes an animal becomes so commonly known as, or that it's surprising it was ever considered a cryptid. After all, the humble gorilla was considered a cryptid until 1847. I actually think I knew this. The term gorilla comes from a Carthaginian explorer Mm -hmm. called Hanno the Navigator, who was exploring the African coast in 50 BC. He described coming home from a tribe of gorilla. I'm so sorry. Monstrous and violent humans, although it is likely he actually encountered chimps or baboons, the name has stuck. Well, it's in quotes and it has an E at the end, so is that still gorilla or is that gorilla i have no idea i wish i was smart reports of monstrous hairy humans who had attacked in overpowered villages continued throughout the centuries but were never taken seriously by scientists in the 16th century an english explorer described an ape-like human visiting his campfire at night gorillas in general remained cryptids until 1847 when thomas savage found gorilla bones in liberia with the help of Harvard's guy, Jeffrey Wyman. He then released a formal description of the species, dubbing it Gorilla Gorilla, sadly. From this point onwards, after anthropologists began hunting gorillas in earnest. That's not very anthropology of you to hunt gorillas, is it? Uh, no, it is not. That's fat. that's very rude. Seeking to learn as much about the discovery as possible. That has n- literally gorillas have nothing to do with anthropology. What is happening here? The mountain gorilla stayed encrypted for a while longer. It wasn't formally recognized as a species until 1902 when a German officer, Captain Robert von Berenge, shot one in. Varanga region of Rwanda and took it home to Europe. I'm so sorry, guys. I know I'm probably fucking this all up. And then we have the Okapai. Akapai? Okapai. Okapai? Oh, they look really cool. I kind of like them. The Okapai is an African mammal that resembles a cross between a zebra and a donkey. Their only bizarre future is that they have two hair-covered horn-like structures called ossicones that they have just above their eyes. They may sound bizarre, but actually the Akapai is a giraffe family, and the ossicones are pretty much the same as giraffe horns. The Akapai is specifically peculiar Certainly not compared to the giant squid or platypus, yet it was considered a myth until 1901. The problem was that Central Africa habitat was already well known to European explorers. Since they had never seen one before, they did not believe the tales of the Occupy that the locals told. An inhibit incredibly dense forest and live quiet, solitary lives. Even the locals who told the stories of them were unsure. Their knowledge of the Akapai predominantly came from the evidence of animals left behind, like tracks, rather than actual sightings. In 1890, Sir Henry Stanley was the first European to describe the mammal after leaving or after traveling in the region. However, he had no solid proof that the Akapai were, so that it remained encrypted. It was not until 1901 when zoologist and imperial officer Sir Harry Johnston obtained a skull and some skins with ha with the help of some with the help of locals <laughs> with physical evidence Akapai's existence could be finally confirmed. It wasn't caught on film until 2008, which that is wild to me. That is insane. Which should give an idea of how hard this beautiful animal is to track down. They are super cute. I do like them. 
So honestly, as long as it's cute. if like if we're going by these like. So it was confirmed in 1901, and then in 2008, literally over 100 years ago, we got first video slash picture of it. So, like, maybe the Loch Ness Monster and these other things could be real. You know? These give me some It depends. The Loch Ness Monster, I feel like, is hard because it's, like, there's only so much lake. But, like, some of the other things I definitely can see... Yeah, well, and, like, Bigfoot, because, like, if these little zebra giraffe thingies are, like, good enough at hiding from us, why would Bigfoot not be? Mm-hmm. And the gorilla thing, I did know the gorilla thing, but I don't, I don't know what a mountain gorilla is. Yeah, neither do I. They look like regular gorillas. They're fucking huge, but, like, aren't all gorillas? Oh, yeah. Maybe they're even bigger. Gorilla versus mountain gorilla. The main difference between them is that the regular gorillas have lighter and shorter hair, whereas mountain gorillas have darkly colored and much thicker, fuller hair. Well, because they're in the mountains, they gotta be warm. (laughs) True. They look, like, exactly the same. Okay, that was, like, why we just call it a mountain gorilla. How animals could still become cryptids. I have hope in Bigfoot and the Yeti. Because at first I was also, like, if they're all sea creatures, then, like, I'm losing hope for the land ones we've yet to discover, but. Yeah, the land creatures are kind of crazy, just because there are so many spots, like, out in those forests that are, if something lives very specifically very deep somewhere. You'll never know. What'd you do this weekend, Joshua? Um, I believe the answer is absolutely nothing. You didn't get hammered for like St. Patty's Day? You didn't drink a green beer? No, you dude. didn't eat green eggs and ham? I was still like recovering from getting back from Mexico. Mm. And so like I was not a an existing human yet. An existing human yet. That makes sense. I, um, well, we already know what I did. I did finish my gallery wall, which a lot of you people may not know what that is. It's just a wall full of pictures. But framed pictures, not just like loose pictures, because they gotta be in frames. Got lost in the woods for eight plus hours as a little girl and saw something unexplainable. Um, I grew up in a densely forested rural area in central Virginia, and like most kids my age, 10 at the time of the story, I spent a lot of time playing in and around the woods. My best friend and I had found a creek one day while exploring, just while we were going through different deer trails through the woods. This creek that we happened to find was on a... Sorry... This creek we happened on was a very rare find and the perfect spot for us to play. It was wide and deep enough to swim around in and had a nice, soft, mossy bank on either side to rest on after we had tired ourselves out. The water was cool and clear. There were no copperheads, no mosquitoes, because the water was constantly running. What's a copperhead? Is it a fish? Snake. Ow. So yeah, sometimes like they'll gather around stagnant water or like slow-moving water. Because it's like, ah, get a little sippy sip. But if a snake tries to get a little sippy sip from a fast-moving river, it gets yeeted out. Does it die? Can they live in the river? and the water? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, they might survive, but it's probably a a fight for your life. Are they poisonous? I think so. I don't know if copperheads are poisonous. Yeah, it is venomous. Venomous. We were psyched. After spending a few hours swimming, we had to walk back home for lunch, but made plans to pack lunch the next day so that we could have a picnic on the creek and spend the whole day out there. The next morning, we set out for the woods around 1pm, planning to have a picnic first and swim after. These are my kind of kids, not leaving the house until 1pm. They're like, ah, we'll go all day, and all day starts at 1pm. Those are not my kind of kids. Uh... (laughs) 
planning to have a picnic first and then swim after. We entered at the same spot we had the previous day and followed what we thought was the same deer trail. It was not. At the point where we should have found the creek, we walked into a small clearing that had that was covered in huge, thick ferns. We had definitely not walked past this before. So, both being hungry and tired of walking, we decided to eat in the clearing. We laughed and played around in there, splitting watermelon, spitting watermelon seeds at each other from our lunch. It was an absolute bat blast, and we were both in wonderful, giddy moods. That all changed, however, as soon as we packed up and set back out to find the creek. As we walked on, the woods started to feel darker and colder. We got skittish, and I noticed my friend kept whipping her head back and forth look to look behind us. After about half an hour of walking, we had came on what looked like an entire overgrown bathroom. Sink, toilet, and bathtub, all sitting arranged together and covered in ivy. It is pretty common to see weird shit like this in the middle of the woods, so we just walked on and made jokes to lighten the mood, calling it Bigfoot's Bathroom. After another hour of walking and not seeing anything we recognized, we started to panic. Instead of trying to reach the creek, we were now just trying to find our way back home, or out of the woods, at least. I told her we should follow the sun, and we would eventually come up on a road or someone else's property where we could find help. She insisted on another way, and we began yelling at each other out of fear, and let's be honest, little girl bossiness. Two children trying to figure out how to survive in the woods doesn't seem like a good time. It is a good time. You know, if I ever have kids, I'm going to send them out with their friends in the woods and just see how it goes. We used to play in the woods as kids literally all of the time. We turned out fine. Uh, <laughs> maybe I won't risk it. <laughs> uh, I ended up tell I told her that if she thought she was so right, she should go her way and we would see who got out first. So we split up. Now as an adult, I fully acknowledge that I was being a stubborn brat and also an idiot that was the worst possible thing we could have done. Not ten minutes after splitting up, I began to hear someone walking maybe a hundred feet behind me. Thinking it was my friend deciding to go my way after all, I slowed down so that she could catch up to me. Instead, whatever it was matched my pace. I slowed down. It slows down. I stop. It stops. Ugh. This went on for hours. The whole time I was going back and forth on whether or not it was in my head or if there really was something following me. I picked up a big stick, swung it a few times to make sure it was sturdy if I had to hit someone, and trucked on. This is something that I have, like experienced being in the woods especially i used to walk in the woods a lot by myself at my old apartment just because we had like a little trail system behind it and sometimes you feel like there's someone behind you and like you'll stop and then try to listen and then you won't hear anything and then you'll keep going again and just like at some point sometimes you're just crazy but like it's definitely, like, I understand why she's trying to rationalize it away. It's just could like, it, oh, I'm probably just being crazy. Could it be, like, just the echo of your own... Your own I, steppy steps? I think that's usually, like, what you justify it as, is just, like... It's just, like, ah, probably, like, whatever... For whatever reason, I'm hearing, like, things falling behind me or whatever whatever so it's not unusual to just kind of ignore it if you think you're hearing like the same pace behind you yeah but anyway as it began to get dark i came upon something that made my heart sink into my stomach it was bigfoot's bathroom i just walked in a huge circle for hours despite being a hundred percent sure i was following the setting sun west the entire time Confused and frustrated, I sat down on a log and just screamed my little heart out while smacking my stick repeatedly into the ground. As I tried to collect myself, I heard the footsteps again walking on me from behind. I called out my friend's name as loud as I could. No answer. Then, after a short pause, the steps began to run towards me. 
I jumped up and booked it as fast as I could in the opposite direction. No, I was going to say, like, running towards you is not your own stuff. Yeah, yeah, no. This is definitely not not a, just her imagination or a weird thing. Now, this is the truly horrifying part, which I typically omit when telling people this story. As I was sprinting through the darkened woods, I began to hear what I thought were church bells. I looked up to see the darkest, deepest cloud I have ever seen in my life. In the middle, it was so black like I was looking into the night sky. The dark gray around it seemed to be swirling. It gave me a horrible feeling to look at, almost like the nausea you get when looking through binoculars too long. What sickened me further is that I realized the sound of bells was coming through the hole in the cloud. They were deafeningly loud. I mean, really booming out of this thing. Was it God? It was God himself reaching down to say, you're a fucking idiot for splitting (laughs) up with your friend. Yeah. Never do that again. (laughs) When I realized this, I stopped dead in my tracks. I felt a sense of absolute and overwhelming dread as that has gone unmatched in my 24 years on this planet. Something in my head began screaming that if I did not run from whatever the hell that cloud was, no one would ever see me again. I would be gone. And I did not want to run I did not want to run toward the thing chasing behind me either. So I made a sharp right and took off away from both. So I was complete now it was completely dark and I was running blind through the woods, smacking through branches, wheezing and tripping every few feet for what seemed like another hour until I smacked into something low and flew over it, hitting the ground so hard that all the air in my lungs was knocked out of me. As I lay there trying to recover, I realized I couldn't hear the bells anymore. Then my eyes adjusted more to the dark, and I realized what had just made me go ass over teeth was an old fence. Grabbing hold of it, I prayed it would lead me to a farm, and sure enough, it did. I walked up over a hill about a mile to the back of the farmhouse, explained what had happened, and the farmer graciously gave me a ride back home. I was covered head to toe in scrapes, oozing blood, and more exhausted than I had ever been in my life, but I was finally safe. It was past 9pm when I finally walked through my front door. My friend had gotten back shortly after we split and figured I had as well, so hadn't told anyone I was lost. And my family just figured I, I was still out after dark, which wasn't uncommon for me. They were shocked when I walked in beat up and crying. Nobody had been looking for me at all. (laughs) To this day, I wonder how long they would have waited to come and find me if I hadn't been lucky enough to find the fence, and if it would have been too late. That is the end of the story. But there is um, a comment in here, which just from uh, discussing and like different things like that some people were thinking that it was aliens and there are some other people that are feeling similar stories but there is a comment that said the swirling cloud and running through the woods thing happened to me before my blood sugar was dropping and i was struggling to stay conscious and panicking i hauled ass blind down the tree and got whacked on all the trees and finally just passed out um below the tree line and then it just said, I hadn't eaten an, an, enough of anything in a couple of days. So I wonder if somebody was just like chasing her and the other part was like a hallucination yeah. or like her blood sugar dropping. Could you hallucinate but it is, from your blood sugar getting too low? I think so. I think you can hallucinate from like a lot of things. Like um, if you're just like barely conscious especially like if you're on the edge your brain just kind of like tries to make a lot of things but like it wasn't like a strong hallucination it was just like loud ass bells and then like the cloud but what's interesting is that if like we think about this as like just some dude out in the woods chasing after her which going back to like they were just kind of following her around. And then when she called out for her friend and didn't get a response, that's when whoever it was, whatever it was, ran after her. 
it is crazy that like seeing the cloud and like trying to run away from it is what led her to like the possibility of finding safety out in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Because she had just done like a big circle. I doubt that she had any plans on where to go next. Uh, this is why but I yeah. stay out of the woods. Stay out of the woods if you're a child. We don't send our children into the woods, okay? Okay. I am a 17-year-old guy living in Phoenix, Arizona. This incident took place around six months ago on an overnight trip to the Superstition Mountains, which are about an hour drive east of Phoenix. I'm not going to specify the exact trail because I've been doing this stuff long enough to realize what happens when you post stuff on the internet. Whether it's a good trail, an abandoned mine, ghosts, or whatever, people come flocking and it usually ends with a lot of trash and loud music. Anyway, this particular trail I was taking was an eight-mile loop through a canyon. Pretty simple in-and-out overnight trip. I had planned to go with a friend, but last-minute cancel on his part left me on my own. So, with a packed bag and a car ready to go, I decided to just go out on my own. Not leaving the house on time and some trouble navigating through forest roads, I didn't end up at the trailhead until around 545 which, for those of you who don't backpack, is a very big no-no. The first time I went backpacking, we did the same shit. Yeah. It was horrible. Uh, yeah. I couldn't Sorry. tell if you were still reading or if that's something you I didn't done. stop. <laughs> but yeah, no, the first time that I personally went backpacking, we, like, kind of him and hawed our way up there, and then we, like, Got parked and da 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 da. And by the time we were going, it was already like an hour from sunset on this like four hour hike. It was bad. That sounds bad. Bad time. I had about a four mile hike until I arrived at my planned camping spot and it was getting dark fast. So I figured if I moved quick enough, I could get at least two to three miles in before I had to find a spot. The strategy left me hiking a very dark trail on my own with about 15 miles of dirt road between me and anyone else. Hiking in the dark by itself is scary, especially for where I was and, again, being alone. Eventually, it got so dark that I could only see where my headlamp was pointing, and that's when I figured I needed to stop and get a camp set up. With only using the, with only using the headlamp as my light source and trying to move fast, I ended up in a less-than-ideal spot but there were some burnt pieces of wood and the remains of a fire circle, so it looked like people had been there before, but still definitely not recently. My first priority was to get a fire going. I scanned the area around me and was able to find some dry wood, and I got it started. I got my tarp set up and cracked open a can of chili mac I had brought for myself, and was very much looking forward to eating. I was feeling good, my camp was set up, and my food was on the fire. The feeling of uneasiness from the hike in had almost gone away, but it was still there. It's just a side effect of camping alone in remote areas. To fully understand what happened, I have to explain to you how my camp was set up. The site I had picked was a small clearing surrounded by large pine trees with the trail about 30 feet to my left. When you're in the woods and have a fire going, the fire casts a circle of light around you and everything on the edge of the circle and past it are pitch black. I was sitting on the ground near my fire eating my dinner when a small rock about the size of a marble was thrown into my camp. I looked at the tiny rock in shock as I was positive that I had um I looked at the tiny rock in shock as I was positive that I was the only one on the trail that, that night. I immediately turned my light on towards the area I had seen the rock come from, but due to the density of the trees and the brush, I could really only see about 10 feet. I spent the next 15 minutes in disbelief as I scanned the tree line that surrounded me, searching for what or whoever had thrown the rock. Not daring to stray too far from my fire, that in hindsight offered me a false sense of security. After sitting back down and spending the rest of my time on high alert, I was able to convince myself that I had somehow kicked the rock or I had just fallen from a tree. I went to sleep that night not expecting the pure terror that was about to unfold. I woke to the sound of rustling leaves, barely audible if you weren't listening for them, but they were there. 
Still in a sleepy daze, I listened as the rustling of leaves got harder to hear. I assumed they were moving further away from me. I went to grab my handheld flashlight that I had left next to me, but the more I looked, the more scared I got as I came to realize that it was no longer there. I stood up in my sleeping bag and ducked out of my tarp and looked around. I was able to see a light off in the woods. It couldn't have been more than 15 feet away. It was my flashlight laying on the ground in a pile of leaves. Weird. This, the flashlight that I had left sitting right next to me when I had fallen asleep a few hours ago, was now 15 feet away from me, past the tree line in the woods. I hurriedly, 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 I'm breaking. I don't, I'm not the person to give insight. I quickly slipped my boots on, clutching my knife in my other hand and keeping my head on a swivel. I weighed my options. Stay here and wait out the night or attempt the three mile hike back to the car in the dark. I figured that whatever whoever was out here with me was definitely going to have a better advantage if I was out on the trail without a light. So I decided to stay at the camp and wait out the night there. Eventually, it came back. I could hear it walking through the woods. It was far off, but I could hear it. It sounded like someone leisurely walking by, like they were on a stroll without a care in the world. Sometimes it would walk too far away, and I would lose the sound of its steps, but then an hour later, maybe two, it would return, still faint as ever. This went on for about three to four hours, until I listened to the steps get closer and closer, until it seemed like they were only a few feet away from me. At this point, the fire had gotten very small, as I had run out of wood in my pile. The footsteps stopped, and everything went totally silent. I sat there still for two hours, clutching a knife in my hand and prayed that I wouldn't hear anything else. I stayed that way until the sun cast enough light that I could see I was alone in my campsite. I packed my things and speed walked the three miles down the trail I had taken. I arrived at the empty dirt road where my car was parked and nearly sprinted to it as I unlocked, jumped in, and drove. I didn't stop until I had put at least 20 miles between me and that place. I stopped at a gas station in Apache Junction to buy a Red Bull, but mostly just to see or talk to another person. As I exited to the store, I noticed there was something written in dust on the back window of my car. Sleep well with a question mark. A lot of weird things have happened to me on my various travels through Arizona, Well, this is the weirdest and scariest by far, so I thought I'd share it. There's a seriously deranged person living in the Superstition Mountains. Do yourself a favor and stay away if you can. That is so fucking weird. It's, yeah, it's not a cryptid, not anything. It's just some dude pacing around the woods for hours on end. Being creepy as fuck. I would die. Honestly, so would I. And, I don't know. Maybe someone else was out there camping and just fucking with them, but also that's just not nice. Don't do that. No, and, like, maybe it is just, like, somebody fucking with him, and sometimes, like, eh, it is what it is. Like, you feel like messing around, whatever. But, um... Man, I, I don't know if I could stay. I think I would rather just take the risk of driving away. Or, What's like, the... running away. Yeah. I say, is there a risk of just, like, driving away? Because I would also just drive away. Just the only thing is, like, either getting lost in the woods or, uh, like, if somebody was chasing you. Like, if you only have a headlamp, they'll be able to see you a lot easier than you can see them, I guess. Yeah. And if it's like... somebody sticking it out until the morning yeah and if somebody's living there then like they'll know the area super well and like i i believe that like people live in like the woods and the mountain areas of like these fucking states out west where people just 
are like only going to like hike and shit like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah i mean i'm sure that there are people that live off trail or even live like near camp like the main campsites and are just kind of like roughing it i'm like i'm sure some of them are fine but i'm sure some of them aren't fine yeah yeah there's uh it's an unfortunate thing but a lot of times very few people i think move to the woods because they love the woods it's more of just like they no longer want to exist with society and so sometimes that's not the best sign yeah i also probably just assume some people live in the woods because they're like homeless and like they're not necessarily always bad people true true but some are but some aren't but But some aren't maybe just don't go into the woods on the off chance that some are (laughs) on the off chance hot take on the low low possibility um i do have a question yeah Okay, you have the power to change anything you want in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you can do it multiple times, but any time you do, someone gets the flu. Do you still do it? Mm-hmm. Just the flu. Yeah. What if they have to die? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about the death part, but the flu part. The flu part, definitely. The death part, uh, you know, 50-50. Because, I mean, like, you just have to use it more sparingly, you know? Like, save, like, three people's lives for for the cost of one. The can you describe the power again? You can change like one thing, except you can change dies. multiple things. Just someone gets the flu with the possibility of death. So, like, I can just change that they die, and then somebody else gets the flu for me changing that. And I could just keep doing that to select somebody that is worth killing, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cheat the I system, don't... gain the system. Yeah. I feel like that'll catch up eventually, but do it for as long as you can. Exactly. Until I'm the one that dies, and then there's no do-overs. Yeah, you can't change that. Alright, and then that is it. I have to go cut and eat cheesecake. I'm jealous. What kind of topping? There's no topping. I made an espresso cheesecake and a butter rum cheesecake. I hate you so much. (laughs) An espresso cheesecake sounds so fucking good. It is one of my favorite kinds of cheesecake that I make. You're insane. Um, I'll have extra pieces. Uh, I will acquire them and or if you come to Kalamazoo, we'll accept delivery. I have, I don't think I have plans to go to Kalamazoo, but maybe if I do. All right. But okay. Goodbye.